Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. If you would all stand up with us, we're going to open up with some songs. Given me hope, 
so long For this morning, we thank you for the chance we have to gather together to sing praises to you together and to learn from your word and to hear from you. We pray that you'll bless our time together this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Amen. Well, it's good to see all of you this morning. My name is Tim. 
Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I just have a a few things uh, to talk about before we get into our main teaching time. It's been really great starting to gather together again. Uh, This is our our third week, I think. It's weird how time flies and then also doesn't right now. Uh, But uh, uh, we started off with a 10, then we went to 9 and 10.30, and uh, it's been filling up every week. So we're going to add a third service, actually, starting next Sunday, uh, October 11th. And we'll add that one at noon, keep them kind of every 90 minutes-ish. And so uh, for those watching online, you'll be able to sign up for all three of those uh, this afternoon. There'll be links on the website. There's also a link in the email that we send out uh, every week with uh, the sermon. And just want to reiterate as well that, that kids are welcome at all these services. Uh, we, we, we love to have kids. As long as your, your kids can sit through the service, they are definitely welcome. And starting next week, we're going to offer uh, an opportunity if uh, they get a little uh, tweaky uh, and, and you need to go somewhere, we'll have some space open uh, downstairs as well as, as an option. So just a few housekeeping details for those who are here uh, actually in the room. As you can see, we have uh, a lot of things roped off. You're welcome to be uh, anywhere around up in here. The main bathroom is open here, but we've, uh, we've shut off the downstairs uh, we're not having communion right now yet. We're looking at, at safe ways to uh, start being able to take communion together eventually, but we're not quite there yet. The giving box is right back through uh, the big doors here in the, the center uh, of the back. And, and if you want to say hello, uh, love to greet you uh, on the way out. Just remember, um, we're going to have folks enter on this side and exit on that side, especially as we go to three services because people will be coming and and going uh, at the same time. Uh, Just a couple more quick things. Um, There's a bunch of things that are about to start uh, for women's ministry this fall. Uh, uh, They're all on our website. uh, and You can find more information there. There's uh, Bible studies, book clubs, walking and hiking groups, and all kinds of other things. And you can sign up for for all of them, like I said, on the website. Love uh, to have uh, all the gals get an opportunity to participate in in these things that are going on. Also, our Care Kits ministry has restarted. Uh, That's where we take uh, little bags of, of important supplies and necessities out to those who are living outside in the area uh, around our church building here um, as a way to help provide for them as well as uh, build relationships uh, with folks in the neighborhood. So that's uh, going to happen next Sunday afternoon, and it's happening about once a month, and there's more info like everything else, just like I said, on the website. And then lastly, uh, Josh is, is taking a Sunday out from preaching. Last week, we finished up the, the seven deadly sins. And next week, we're going to start into a new series that will go through uh, part of the fall here on spiritual disciplines. So we'll be uh, launching into that next week. But this week, uh, we're going to be in Psalms again. I've had the opportunity to, to teach a few times over the recent months, and, and I've, I've taught from Psalms. We're going to do that again. I love Psalms. Uh, Psalms are, are all about glorifying God, praising God, worshiping God in all kinds of different circumstances and situations in life, from, from good times to bad times, from depression to celebration, and everywhere in between. The word psalms itself means praises, and that's what it's all about. Uh, and so you find all these different songs and, and poems as as expressions of worship in the middle of like real life. And Psalm 46 is where we're going to be today. And it's a strong word. 
about confidence in God who has, has come through over and over again in the midst of trouble and difficulty. It seems like an appropriate psalm to look at in the middle of so many things going on in and around our world, our city, our church, our, our individual lives. This psalm, unlike a lot of them, a lot of them were written by King David. This one is written by uh, the sons of Korah. We don't know a lot about them. They're Except we know that they're priests, uh, essentially song leaders, worship leaders, I guess would be the closest thing to compare them to. And, and that this psalm itself, Psalm 46, is written as a song that God's people would sing. It's, it's divided into three parts, and each part ends with this Hebrew word selah, which as near as we can tell means to, to pause for a minute and just reflect on what you've heard. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the message of each of these three parts of the psalm, and then we're going to take time together to to, to pause and to reflect. So let's dig right into it. Psalm 46, verse 1. Sometimes you have to kind of work to get to the main point of a passage. This particular psalm, it gets there immediately from verse 1. It says, God is our refuge. That's the big idea. God is our, our safety, our shelter. He's our, our strength, it says. A very present help in trouble. And if you're looking at a at a Bible, either on paper or your app, you might see that by, by very present help, there's a little number that corresponds to a text note down at the bottom. You always want to look at those because they can help you understand the deeper meaning behind the original language words that are translated into English. And, and the essence of this word that's translated as very present help means, means well-proven. Means, it means that God according to Psalm 46, has been our refuge and strength. He's been our help, and he's done so over and over and over again. He's well proven in his help for his people in the midst of, of trouble and adversity and, and affliction and anxiety. And so verse 2, because of that, therefore, it says, we will not fear even in the midst of trouble because he is our refuge and our strength. And he, and he elaborates here, the psalmist, with a, with a metaphor. It says, says, we won't fear even though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. There's some symbolism going here. And, and, and by mountains, he's, he's speaking of that which seems most secure in our life, that which seems absolutely unmovable. What's more unmovable and steady in the world than a mountain? Who can push a mountain around, right? So it's saying even if that which is most secure be moved into the heart of the, the sea, and the sea in, in Hebrew culture was symbolizing chaos and, and, and just, just utter chaos, the untamed, restless power of the ocean is how they saw it. And so symbolically what he's saying here is, is because God is our refuge, we should not be afraid even if the most unshakable things in our life are thrown into utter chaos. He extends the metaphor saying, while its waters roar and foam, even the mountains themselves, they tremble at its swelling, he says. Even then, we're not to fear because he's our refuge, our safety, our strength, our help. And he says, Selah. Just pause for a minute and think. We could pause for just a moment and just think about what that brings to mind. What, what seems most secure in your life? 
what secure things, what unmovable-seeming things in your life are being shaken? Is there anything like that in your life? I'm guessing the answer is yes. I know it's emphatically yes for me. All kinds of things, right? It could be your health in the midst of a pandemic. Maybe you had the virus. Maybe you're afraid of getting it. That doesn't seem very secure. It could be your job, your, your finances in the midst of, of what only seems to be a deepening and growing economic recession on the horizon. It could be your home as, as, as here locally in Portland and really the state, uh, went from, from already experiencing a ton of economic effects and virus effects. Then we had a fire crisis that, that threatened and destroyed many people's homes. And it was closer to Portland. It, it, it was weird for me. Like, I have never seen something like that get that close to the city, right? I took it for granted that we have clean air. We have great quality of air here in Portland. That was the worst I've ever seen. Even when the gorge was on fire, it was like a day. That was like a, an extended period of orange funk. It was not good. Your safety and security, you might feel, are up for grabs. In the midst of, of unrest and, and violence in the streets, relationships and, and community that may have seemed solid or strained in the midst of isolation and quarantine. You may trust in the government and our leadership, which now seems more divided than ever. Even our church, which has seemed like a, a steady presence in our lives, has not been able to meet regularly, right? Everywhere we look, things that seem solid and dependable are being shaken. They're being thrown into chaos. It's like an earthquake of uncertainty. The words of Psalm 46, they they cut across thousands of years. Sometimes it's a lot of work to, to connect the words that are so old with our, our current day, not so with Psalm 46. They cut across the, the, the centuries as if they could be written as a song today. God and his people are not strangers to trouble and chaos, and God has not promised a great deal of security in this world, but he has promised to be our refuge and our strength in the midst, our, our very present, our well-proved help in the midst of trouble. But that leads us to the, the second section of the psalm. He's not just a, a, a disembodied refuge, someone who offers a, a theoretical, metaphorical sense of refuge from a great distance. He's actually with us in the midst. And that's what it says here, starting in, in verse 4. He, the, the psalmist paints a, a, another word picture, another metaphor. He says, there's a river. In contrast to the roaring chaos of the ocean, it says God is with his people like a river, a stream that makes glad the city of God, the, the people of God. The city of God is Jerusalem. That's where it was like the heart of, of God's Old Testament people and their life together. That can equate now to just generally God's people or the, the church. You could probably substitute in for that. He says there's, there's a river. And, and what's it like? What happens when a, when a river winds its way through a land, particularly a dry land? If you've ever been rafting in central Oregon, maybe on the Deschutes, that's the image that comes to my mind. I was a rafting guide uh, many years ago and, and still like to, to go back there from time to time. It's the high desert. It's dry. There's not a lot growing. But along the river, it's always green. That's what a river does. It, it nourishes. It, it feeds. It, 
It provides all around a river. There's growth. There's health. There's green. That's what God's presence is like for His people. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And God is in the midst of her. He's in the midst of His people. And it says that unlike the mountains who are are moved, it says, the same word here, it says, unlike that, God's people will not be moved. It says you shouldn't fear even if the mountains are are shaken and, and thrown into the sea, the same words are here, even if a mountain is thrown into the sea, God's people will not be moved. They will be secure. God will be their help when morning dawns, like after a long night of conflict. So God is our refuge, our our strength, our help by being present with his people. And then he goes on to even elaborate, even in the midst of, of nations raging. And nations here, particularly in the Old Testament, <clears throat> the, whenever it says nations, it's, it's, it's shorthand for all the peoples who, who oppose God, who are against God and his people. So even, even while nations all around us rage against God and, and kingdoms totter, this is another instance, this is translated as totter, but it's, this, it's the same word in the Hebrew as, as moved. The mountains are being moved into the heart of the sea. God's people are not being moved. But even as kingdoms are moved, as they are, are shaken and tottering, moving into the, the sea of the chaos, even in the midst of that, it says, he utters his voice. And the earth melts. God's voice has the power to unmake the earth just as he made it. And he concludes this section by saying, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Literally, whenever, whenever it says the Lord in, in the Old Testament, that's, that's his, his proper name, Yahweh. And the hosts means armies. So, so Yahweh of, of the armies of God is with us. He's our fortress. He, he protects us. He's with us, it says. And we come to another Selah pause and reflect. And once again, our present circumstances are so close to what Psalm 46 is talking about. Just like in the psalm, the the nations are raging all around us, right? Kingdoms seem to be shaking and and, and tottering in the words of, of Psalm 46. We're in the midst of a of a incredibly contentious presidential election season, and they had the first debate last week, and even in the messaging up to the debate as well as throughout the debate, both candidates assure us that if their opponent is elected, it will be the end of our country as we've known it. It's a lot of fear, right? They're promising that our kingdoms will be shaken. And locally, most nights, there there are certainly peaceful demonstrations that happen about issues uh, that are important, that should be considered, but most nights, at one point or the other, even though it might start peaceful, they end in nothing less than a destructive rage. A rage and a desire to burn down authority in almost any form, which is a deep and long-held value in the city of Portland goes all the way back to the foundation of the city of Portland. It's in the midst of this that Psalm 46 says God is with us. In the midst of of nations and people raging, in the midst 
of, of kingdoms being shaken and fears everywhere. Psalm 46 says, God is with his people. And while everything else might be moved, while everything else might be shaken, God's people will not. Nations and governments will come and go, but God is with his people in their midst, refreshing and sustaining them like a river in the desert. He is our fortress. And if you know your church history, you may connect the dots in your mind that this connects to a very popular old hymn. This psalm is the inspiration for Martin Luther's great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He sings, a mighty fortress is our God, a, a bulwark never failing. Not a word we use much anymore, but a bulwark is a, is a defensive wall like around a, a castle or a house. And Luther had hit more than, than his share of, of truly life-threatening trouble and conflict. And there are many stories I've read of him pausing in the midst and saying, come friends, let us sing the 46th Psalm, which is a mighty fortress is our God. He actually uh, put the words, of, adapted the words of Psalm 46 to fit a, a German-like pub drinking song. That's what he did a lot. And, and it says, uh, there's many reports of, of his wife, Katie, being a very talented and skilled brewer of beer. And it does my heart good to think of Martin Luther with his crew in the midst of crazy conflict, raising a glass and saying, come friends, let us sing the 46th Psalm. God is our refuge. He's a well-proven help in the midst of trouble. From, from, from Psalm 46 all the way to Martin Luther centuries later to our day today, he is our refuge. He is with us. But there's one more thing we can learn from Psalm 46, and that's in the third section. He's our refuge. He's with us. Part three is, is he fights for us. And in this last section, the psalmist kind of changes perspective. He, he zooms out. He, he's focused in on this specific condition that, that he's in the midst of, but now he, he zooms out and speaks to all peoples of the earth, specifically those who do not belong to God, who oppose God. And he says, come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. Behold, he says, behold what God is going to do. He will make wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. God will eventually make peace by crushing everything, all weapons that are raised against him. There will be a final end to all conflict and all trouble in this world. But it will be his victory. It will be by his hand. It will be only by his power. And it will be only in his time. That is our great hope. And you may have heard the, the following passage before uh, in, in verse 10 when it says, be still and know that I am God. And it's often taken out of context and made to mean something else. That's, the, the meaning is fine. But in context here, it actually means something different. It's often interpreted as 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 God speaking to his people and, and kind of encouraging them to reflect in silence and solitude and that kind of a thing. There's nothing wrong with that idea. That's a good idea. I highly recommend it. I do it all the time. But that's not what he's talking about here. That's not what this means, actually. He's actually speaking to the nations, those who oppose God. And this word be still is not sit quietly and meditate. It's throw your weapons down. That's what it means. He says, all of you who oppose me, 
Be still. Lay your weapons down. Stop raging against me. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted throughout the earth. Know that I am God, he's saying. Look at what I've done, who I am. Every knee will bow eventually. And every tongue will confess that I am God and creator and Lord. That's his promise. That's his word in the midst of troubles. It's not going to happen today, probably, although if it did, it would solve a lot of things, wouldn't it? But that's our great hope that we look forward to in the future. And then he concludes, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of the armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. No one can touch, no one can shake, no one can come against ultimately God's people because he's our refuge, because he's with us, because he fights for us. And all of this points towards even more definite future realities. Psalm 46 speaks metaphorically about God as our refuge running like a river through his people, but, but, but there's actually another place right at the end of the Bible that uses this exact same image. In the book of Revelation, towards the end of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21 and, and 22, it, it takes up this same image as if it's almost quoting Psalm 46 to even further deepen our understanding of the promises that are in store for God's people when Jesus returns. It speaks of, in, in Revelation 21, verse 10, the holy city of, of Jerusalem, the city of God, as it's spoken of in Psalm 46, the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And in the midst of this city that comes down from heaven and meets the earth, it says, it says there's a river, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. And the Lamb, which is Jesus, is, through the, the, is with the river and through the middle of the street of the city. And it says on either side of the river, just like we talked about metaphorically with Psalm 46, trees spring up. And in this case, it's the, the tree of life. And through this tree, it says its leaves are for the healing of the nations, healing of all the conflict, all the rage of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, it says, but the throne of God and the Lamb, which is Jesus, will be in it and his servants will worship him. When, when Jesus returns, Psalm 46 will no longer be a metaphor. It will be the new reality for God's people. Heaven will come down to earth. All things will be removed, renewed. God, God will, will truly and fully be present in the midst of his people as a river running through them. And as that river flows, it will bring life wherever it goes. The nations will be healed. All conflict will cease. It says elsewhere in Revelation, he'll wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more suffering, no more sin, no more death, no more division, no more selfishness. So what we see is that our ultimate refuge is God himself through Jesus. We only enter God's refuge. He's only truly, fully present with us. He only fights for us through Jesus, through the Lamb that was slain, 
through his perfect life, through his sinless death, through his victorious resurrection, and through our hope for his triumphant return. That's our great hope. Only through Jesus do we experience God's refuge in this life and do we hope for that perfect refuge in eternal life to come. What does that mean for us, practically speaking? Man, this this psalm has been an important psalm for me for, for quite a while. I've been clinging to it for years, and that's what I want to encourage you to as well. Most of you know at least bits and pieces of my story, as I've told it in different times and in teaching or, or, or personally, but I, was a, I be, first became a, a pastor uh, as a part of a, a large church that started in Seattle and ended up coming here and, and, and starting a congregation in this building called Mars Hill Church. And for me, Mars Hill was something that seemed totally secure, as secure as a mountain at points to me. That it, could, that it could be shaken and that it would end, let alone quickly and abruptly, was unthinkable to me for most of my time at the church. And yet it was, and it did, and it doesn't exist anymore. And I clung to Psalm 46 in the midst of it. Then three years ago, uh, I was a part of a church that was meeting here uh, called Redeemer Church, and I was preparing to preach a message on Psalm 46. Uh, it was... It was mid-February of 2018, and instead, uh, man, there's, there was a long-running conflict behind the scenes, just the worst kind of thing behind the scenes, and it spilled over, and I felt like over the course of that week that God was calling me to just release it, and I did, and I resigned instead of preaching Psalm 46, and I clung to Psalm 46. And four months later, I ended up coming back into this kind of a position at Redeemer. And the first Sunday I was back, I preached Psalm 46. I returned to this psalm over and over again when things that seemed solid start to shake. And I want to challenge you to do the same. And I think there's a beautiful picture for what it looks like to find our refuge in Jesus from Matthew Chapter 14, it's the story of of when Jesus comes walking on the water uh, to his disciples. The the story is to set the scene, uh, they're at the Sea of Galilee, which is this lake, and he sends his disciples out onto the lake. He stays on the shore. It's kind of mid-afternoon. Keep that in mind because there's a tie-in to the timing of all of it. And and he sends them out, and I I guess this is a, a common phenomenon that storms can come up, like severe storms can come up. Uh, in the midst of this lake. Big windstorms, waves, there's tons of boats have sunk over the years, and that's what happens. As evening starts to come, a storm hits, and disciples are, are freaking out. They're praying to God. They're wondering where Jesus is, and it says eventually in the night, Jesus comes to them walking on the water completely peacefully. They're freaked out. They don't recognize him, and Peter calls out, if you're really Jesus and not a ghost, Tell me to come meet you on the water. That's how I'll know what it's you. And so he says, come. And so Peter, I can't even imagine what it would have been like, steps over the edge of the boat, out onto the Sea of Galilee, and he starts walking on water. And he walks towards Jesus, but then it says, it says he he's, oh, starts to, to see the wind. He starts to remember that he's in the middle of this violent storm. He stops looking at Jesus, 
and he starts to sink, and Jesus grabs him and pulls him up. Here's why I think that's the perfect image. Storms are inevitable. Storms will come. Jesus has never promised to keep us from storms. And here's the timing issue. He sends them out in the boat afternoonish, before evening. Night falls, the storm hits. It says Jesus comes eventually to them during one of the watches of the night, and there's a little text note that says it's between 3 and 6 a.m. Jesus isn't even particularly interested in saving them that quick from the storm. I'm not sure he is for us either. I think that's kind of where we're at in the world right now. He lets them sit in it for most of the night. 3 to 6 a.m., it's, it's getting pretty close to sunrise. Jesus hasn't promised to keep us from storms. He hasn't promised to deliver us immediately from them either because there's things for us to learn in the midst of them. What he has promised is to be a refuge in the midst of the storm. He isn't vindictively playing with us. He's not messing with us. He's not trying to just cause us pain, but he's allowing us to learn. He's allowing things that seem solid to be shaken to point us back to the one thing that can never be shaken. And that only one thing is him. And when we focus on him like Peter did, we can share that peace, metaphorically taking some steps on the water. And when we focus on the storm, we freak out and we're overwhelmed and we sink. That's what he invites us to. God has not promised a peaceful world He has not promised justice in this life. All we can do is be people who are peaceful and just, clinging to God as our deepest refuge, holding on to the hope that whatever's going on around us, he is with us, that he fights for us, that one day all conflict, all injustice, all sin, all selfishness, all sickness, all death will finally pass away. We cling to that hope and we do what we can to point others towards that hope and that's my prayer for us as a church. My prayer for Door of Hope is that we would be people who, who find such a deep and profound refuge in God through Jesus in the midst of an unsteady world that's falling apart, and then that, that that would so change us, that that would so affect us and move us and make us people of refuge, make us people of peace, so much so that it would demand questions from others, like, how can you be this way? To which we would reply, because of Jesus. That we would so deeply experience God's peace that we could be agents of that peace to everybody around us, to everyone we come in contact with, so that more people could know him. This is a rough time in our city, but it's also an amazing opportunity. When things are good, people have very little sense of need. And when they're not, they do. Folks are, are, are grappling with what to even make of this world, and we can be the people that, that point them in that direction as we experience God's peace, as we find refuge in him. So I just invite you now, even as we close this time together, to pray that. Pray that you would more deeply find refuge in God if you're not feeling it. 
Pray that you would have a deeper sense of his peace and that he might give you opportunities to share that peace with others so that more people will come to know Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you again for the way your word cuts across centuries and millennia to speak as if it were written today. We just ask that you would help us to find refuge in you. There is so much that's unsteady. There is so much that's unsure right now. And our tendency is to to grapple and, and grasp for something else more tangible to hold on to. I just ask that you would continue through your Spirit to draw us to yourself. I ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would make us all, everyone here today, everyone listening to this message, keenly, tangibly aware of your presence. I ask now that you would, through your Holy Spirit, make your presence known to many in this city who do not know you, that they might even now get some sense of reassurance that they can't quite put their finger on, and that you would put us in contact with those people so that we might name that source of peace as you. Just ask that you would change our hearts, make us ambassadors of peace and refuge to such a broken world that they might see Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's let's stand together and, and respond in song.
I can't seem to calculate all the patience it must take to love me. You perfectly have covered me, the blood that flowed from your hands and your Center, you're my song. You've been there all along. And I've been swallowed up by you. There is nothing I can do. Ooh, yes, you amaze me. And I Sometimes I drift away, but I can always hear you say, stay with me, where, where can I go to escape your love, I see your wounds and I Center, you're my song. 
Before we do just a couple things there will be prayer available up front there will be some staff uh, pastors and elders up front um, after the song if you want prayer you can come up and receive that um, and when you do leave we ask that you leave out of these doors not the ones you came in um, and also we need a, just a couple volunteers to help out cleaning up the chairs and wiping everything down so if you want to do that just see Chelsea afterwards all right we're gonna sing one more song Come beneath 
your burning gaze Forgive us for the days that we stray When we're overwhelmed we'll look up and we'll say Glorious Beautiful Jesus we are weak so be our strength Lord, we pray that you would, would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we worship you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, you've saved us. In your name, amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody.